This podcast is brought to you by Slow Tide. Slow Tide, our company, they took a mundane but essential uh, everyday product, uh, a towel, um, so something that we use every day, and they've turned it into uh, something cool, something you like looking at, a piece of art. So Slow Tide work with artists, brands, and photographers to bring amazing designs onto their products. Uh, not only towels, they also have now applied this same logic to blankets, um, perfect for the winter. Those of you that have listened to the podcast and know me will know I love sitting and watching a film or TV. I ask every guest to recommend me some something good to watch. Um, and especially in the UK at the moment, it's pretty cold. Most of that watching is done under a blanket. Uh, most importantly, though, uh, Slow Tide are committed to sustainability. Um, all of their cotton products are responsibly sourced through the Cotton Leads program, and their polyester products are made from 100% recycled post-consumer waste, usually plastic bottles. So you know that by buying one of these products, you're also not affecting the environment. Uh, check them out at, at Slow Tide Europe on Instagram for more information. I'll be posting a fair bit about them on my Instagram as well, at the After Hours Lounge. Um, huge thank you to Slow Tide for supporting the podcast, um, and thank you to you guys for getting through this advert. And now, on with the show. Hello friends, welcome back to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Uh, welcome to the After Hours Lounge if you are new. My name is Sandy, I am your host. I uh, hope you guys are all doing good. Um, today, I'm very, very honoured. This is a guy I've been, I wouldn't say I've been chasing for a while because that makes me sound like a bit of a weirdo and a stalker, but I've been wanting to get him on the podcast and have a chit chat to him for, for quite a while. Um, he is, you know, the one of the leading uh, mental health advocates in the UK, um, you know, born out of uh, a real, a real tragedy, a personal tragedy. Um, but he's really, you know, ran with it and, and gone the right way and been a real inspiration for so many people. Um, was named one of LinkedIn's change makers, I think it is, uh, of 2020, uh, and has won the Pride of Britain award. I'm honoured to be joined by Mr. Ben West. Hello, hello, Sandy. Thanks for having me on. Can I just say how crazy it is to sit here and listen to that? Well, like when you said the UK, one of the UK's biggest mental health company it's just absolutely mad like this was a small idea i had that it's just snowballed and now it's so out of control so oh it's just i was sitting to that and i was like a little, little smart to myself it's uh yeah it's so crazy oh no but you it's it's one of those things mate i think it's it's very easy you know especially when you're talking about mental health and stuff it's very easy to think oh i shouldn't be pleased that i'm being successful at this do you know what i mean but mm. I, I think there's there's almost a stigma in that as well of actually like the end of the day you could you could try and be an influencer and do stuff about anything so the fact that you're doing it about something like this which especially in the last year is affecting so many people um is is quite an amazing thing yeah exactly and you know what like considering what i've seen and and you know the people i've spoken to i i don't see a way that anyone could see what i see and have to deal with what i've what i have to deal with and not try and do something i just don't see how a human being could see that sort of so, i mean we're programmed human beings is to to try and stop suffering right that's how we that's how human beings are programmed and the i've unfortunately i because of my social presence and everything i get a direct a direct line to um to a lot of difficult stuff that's going on and when you see that you just feel so empowered to try and do something about it and i'm lucky enough to have the position where i might 
just be able to influence some sort of change which i'm yeah i am very proud about to get to have to get to a point where i have that influence and to be able to actually influence some change yeah absolutely no it's it's amazing and i I said you know just just before we hit record regular listeners know that or ben for you who who don't know the the podcast was born out of my love of sitting drinking beer and talking to people um and i i kind of after my own mental health struggles and this podcast isn't about me but just just to tell you you know it was born out of my own mental health struggles and me kind of feeling ready to to talk about it and stuff. And then what was lovely is I read you put an article on LinkedIn this morning about uh, a kettle and how valuable a kettle is. And you, basically the sum of the article was sitting and having a cup of tea is so powerful because it's a way of sitting and having a chat to someone. It instigates a conversation. Um, and that's the way I've always viewed it with sitting, having a beer. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be a beer. So um, in light of that, those of you, you may be disappointed. I'm not having a beer with this podcast. I'm drinking a cup of turmeric tea. Um, um, so, yeah. Nice. I'm having a glass of water and I feel uh, I feel like I've been done in by my by my selection of drink. I would have I would have happily had a beer if I'd known that was the oh. if I'd known that was the etiquette. Well, it's one of those things, you know. I actually I I actually did I did a solo podcast about it, talking about alcohol and yeah. stuff, because it's one of those funny things where when I first started the podcast, I wasn't perhaps as involved in the mental health sort of scene mm. as, I, as I am now. And I've now realised that there's actually a bit of a stigma around booze. I mean, obviously I knew there was, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of these accounts. Are, oh, I'm sober and I'm sober and all this, and I felt a bit weird about me being like, well, actually, I fucking love drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, to be fair, there's a there's a fine line, but I think people, you know, you've got to. For a lot of people, beer is a bit of an escape because it's a social thing as well isn't it you go to the pub yeah. and it's social and as long as you have a cap on it and you're not drinking because you like the feeling of it you're drinking because it's social i think that's that's okay but i for one love a beer i just love the taste of beer in an evening after a long day of work there's nothing better than a cold mm, than a cold beer so i'm all for it but um but yeah i guess it is it is a bit of a double-edged sword isn't it yeah, well, it's, di- it's difficult because, you, you know, like, I want to remain authentic and be like, look, you know, I like drinking. As you said, I think as long as you as long as you're aware and you've got a cap on it and you're not you're not using it. to yeah. deal with you're not using it to deal with your problems. You're using it to enhance a social situation, shall we say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But a turmeric tea, I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those people. If it's not plain tea, it's not drinkable. Oh, really? I, I'm not <laughs> not sure how people drink this like green stuff i if it's not what is it earl gray breakfast tea whatever it is that that's my tea otherwise no 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 no. i'm the one that has like when they give you if when you're in in an airplane oh those days um and they come up to you and they're like would you like a tea and then they start reading off these lists of things you're like i would just like a tea please um so (laughs) i'll uh yeah I'll, i'll stick to my normal tea if you don't mind no mate you you stick to that yeah um I I, yeah, I got into like wanky teas a couple of years ago, and you, you know, yeah. you've got your your turmeric and orange, and your your peppermint, wow. and all. I don't, I don't know, mate, but I drink it, and apparently it's good for you. So, <laughs> okay, I'll take that. But we're we're going we're going wildly off topic here. Um, so I mean, Ben, you know, if if you're happy to, can you just give um the listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you just give them a a sort of short history of of how you got to um the the kind of position that you're in now. Yeah, of course. So uh, it started a few years ago. So about four years ago, I was 
16, 17 at school. Um, had very little understanding of mental health. Never really been, been on my radar. No one's ever really spoken about it to me. And then in September 2017, uh, my younger brother got diagnosed with depression and had no idea what that was. Absolutely no idea what depression was. Apart, you know, that word's bounced around a little bit, but no one ever told me what it was about. Um, and then three months later in January 2018, um, Sam took his own life. And obviously then it became quite apparent that <laughs> depression was a really serious thing. Mm. Um, and I kind of felt like I'd very much misunderstood it because I didn't think this was something that could happen. Um, and then after, after Sam died, loads, I mean, hundreds of people messaged me and they were talking about their own experiences. So many people messaged me. And they were telling me that they'd been diagnosed with something or their family member had been diagnosed with something and they were struggling. And two people actually told me that they'd, they'd attempted suicide before and had never told anyone. And I just remember looking at these messages and thinking, how can we possibly not be talking about this? I mean, it's affecting almost everyone I know. How can we not <laughs> be talking about this serious, serious thing? Yeah. Um, and so I guess it comes back to that it's like what i said at the beginning like being able to see these people's stories and and being able to hear from these people that are struggling and obviously me myself knowing what the potential end result is if nothing happens and nothing helps them i just felt like i couldn't just sit here and watch this happening i had to do something um and so that's kind of been a, a bit of a theme over the last three years where i've just tried my absolute best to try and change something to stop all these people from just sitting there in silence because they don't want to talk about it because they think that they're alone and actually ironically they're part of a massive group of people that are all going through the same thing and I kind of wanted to show people that they weren't alone mm. yeah exactly I think that's 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 at the heart of in my opinion that's one of one of the the hearts of you know these these issues is people feeling alone people feeling like they can't they can't talk to someone i know that sounds really obvious and arbitrary but you know it sounds obvious you know even me and ed we we said on our podcast like clichés are clichés for a reason you know because there's something that, there's something that everyone it resonates with everyone um and unfortunately something that does resonate with a lot of people who are feeling down is i cannot talk to anyone about this mm, absolutely and for me it was weird as well cuz i knew that some people that were telling me this stuff were friends with each other and both of them thought they were alone and I was like yeah. you're literally you're going through the same thing and neither of you know because no one wants to talk about this I was like yeah. that's just crazy that's absolutely crazy that that this is so taboo that people that are going through the same thing are afraid of the other person thinking that they're they're crazy or weak and I'm like <laughs> that just doesn't make sense so that's really been that's kind of that was really the start of it because it it started very much local with what I did um, and started by trying to open that conversation up within my school, within my local community, getting getting those people to talk to each other. Because to me, it just didn't make sense that no one was talking about this. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And and did you did you find um, in those messages in the in the early point? I mean, was there was there a difference between was it was it more guys messaging you or was it was it kind of even because obviously, you know, generally my my podcast and the conversations had is is more around sort of men's mental health purely because it's something that I'm I'm closer with and I feel like you know women do generally talk to each other a bit more about this stuff whereas men are far more likely to be like no no my, my mates are gonna think I'm you know gay or lame or whatever mm. that they, they you know and I'm you know sorry if that offends anyone but that is what men think yeah. 
yeah. know um did did you find that there was kind of more 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 men or, or women talking to you in in the early days this is a really interesting question because you're right i think men are less likely to talk about this sort of stuff than women yeah. um but i actually saw i mean pretty much a 50 50 it was it was very very close i was quite surprised um looking in hindsight i'm quite surprised that so many of my male friends were being very honest and in fact i it might even be a a tiny little bit more male than female Mm. especially because i was a man um i was a man i am a man (laughs) and and for me to stand up and start talking about this i think became quite contagious and people felt that they could talk to me in confidence um even as recently as the other day i've had someone that i've known for most of my life but to basically just be like <laughs> this is something i've been dealing with with for many many years and i've not told anyone like even just the other day so i think that openness or that willingness to be open that i have kind of was emanated to my friends and to the people I knew and they then felt compelled um and also I'm a man so they can talk to me as a guy right and and not feel like these stereotypes are going to make them feel so um so yeah it was it was pretty 50 50 actually yeah I mean I, th- I think that's that's a re- that's really interesting about the I think men men do kind of and I don't know whether it's because you know but when they see another guy doing something, they're a bit yeah. like, they, they almost get a bit curious and you're like, Oh, I want to do that. Like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm using this example purely because it's the easiest one for me. But when I started this podcast, one of, I had a couple of friends who I've known for years, we've, you know, traveled the world together, all this. And they came out and said, Oh yeah, I suffer with, you know, this, or, you know, I used to be on medication for anxiety and do all this. And I'm like, dude, we've, I was like, yeah. <laughs> And and but at the same time, I was like in my head, I'm like, well, I didn't tell anyone what was going on with me, so why would they tell me what was going on with them? You know, it, it kind of this is not me blowing my own trumpet at all, but it kind of took me as the first one to be like, sometimes yes. I, you know, I have this, and then all, and then some, they kind of come out of the woodwork a little bit. Whereas I do think, you know, as well, you're right, women potentially have a slight you know maybe more of a role model system of like yes all right to talk about it and you know girls have all these you know uh personal or private issues you know like they go to the bathroom together and all that sort of stuff the the culture is is so totally different um even in the same school or you know the same environment that the culture between men and women talking about this stuff is is so different Definitely. And actually something I'm working with um, LinkedIn on, like you said at the beginning, I'm, I'm working with LinkedIn as part of their Changemakers program, yeah. um, which is all about like, highlighting LinkedIn as a platform to create change, um, is this idea that at the moment in workplaces, almost all workplaces will send out this corporate email and it'll be like, talk about your mental health. Here's what we have available, blah, 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 blah. You know, mm. this is what this is a number you can call if you need. And I reckon the uptake rate on that is so, so low. However, if a CEO or a manager, a line manager gets up and tells their own story and is open and actually talks about the time they struggled and was open about it, immediately there is no stigma left. There is no shame that, or there's no feeling like you're going, your job's going to be impacted because the person at the top has just been open about this. Really, to create change, we need the people at the top to start being a lot more open because I absolutely guarantee if someone in a workplace did that, then the uptake to services, the uptake of their mental health first aiders is going to 
enormously increase compared to how, they, how it would be if they just told them told their staff about it that's what we need to do we need to lead by example um so in companies we need to see more ceos and managers actually start to to talk about their own mental health rather than just telling people to talk about it because that's not going to help anyone yeah exactly i think it's 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 even you know it's something as simple as just putting a face to a name isn't it you know if you can if you can somehow humanize you know, a conversation, like you said, and mental health at the best of times doesn't conjure up the nicest images, doesn't it? You know, when you talk about it, it's yeah. very easy to look at it as something very sort of clinical and, you know, white white walls and, you know, all this stuff. And it, it, it unfortunately, you know, it conjures up some, some really negative imagery. Um, but it's very easy to change that. It's very easy to make it, you know, a warm, inviting conversation where actually you can get a load of stuff off your chest. And, and I think you're right. It, it needs to come from people that you, it doesn't even have to be like your boss or something like that. Even someone at, at kind of your level or that you, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this, but putting a face to a name, um, hmm. I think is, is something really, really important. Yeah. And just having humans back, right. If we're yeah. talking about the workplace, just having humans, humans talking to other humans rather than, you know, manager of this talking to <laughs> head of something else. Yeah, right? yeah. Let's get rid of these like stupid titles that make people feel important. It's ridiculous. Just have a human being talk to another human being. And that's what I said in my article that you wrote that you read earlier. Um, like it's all about <laughs> a line manager. Imagine if a CEO or a line manager came and actually made someone a cup of tea to sit down and talk to them. Immediately you're going to you, that just breaks through this this hierarchy barrier uh, and just stops people feeling like you know this is management. Oh, we've got to be serious with them. And just casual, casual makes it more casual because it's just stupid the fact that we we constantly bang on about how important it is to look after our mental health and how important it is to take this seriously because it's so dangerous. And then you walk into a workplace and you've got these managers that are so obnoxious and up themselves that they don't want to be seen to be, to be talking to people as normal human beings. It's ridiculous. You know, we've got to have this human to human conversation because we can't just keep going like we're robots. It's not, it's not sustainable. It's not going to work. So yeah, we need people to, like you say, put a face to a name and, and also put a human person to a, to a person as well, rather than just have this robotic corporate bot that just walks around pretending like they're important. Yeah, you're right. Well, I think, I mean, you know, that's, it's that's a huge. I mean, I don't come from a a, court, a very corporate industry anyway. I come from um, water sports. You know, I I left at school at eighteen and went to Australia to learn to be a windsurfing instructor and didn't oh, wow. didn't stop until a couple of years ago. And I'm twenty nine mm. now, so I I don't necessarily come from a very corporate thing, but I I did take a job in the UK within the industry and and I ended up leaving that in September September October twenty nineteen to kind of go self employed because I was like I I can't deal with this. Like, oh, gosh, yeah. it's not a, it's not an environment that I can, I can work in. And it's weird, actually, I, you know, talked to my mom about it. And she said, when you were younger, you always said you didn't, you know, you didn't want a boss and you wanted to work for yourself yeah. and all this stuff. But I think it, I think the, the, the tipping point and everything wasn't just a, oh yeah, no, I, I don't want a boss. I want to work for myself. I think it was from a mental point of view of like, I'm, I'm not getting this connection. And actually, mm if I'm work for myself and I'm self-employed and can go out on my own and do this, I'll get that connection with other businesses because they'll value me more. And that's not something that that's not the way I want the world to be, but unfortunately it kind of is the way, you know, if you're an employee rather than an employer, you're, you're not as well respected. And I think, you know, especially in the last year, that's been highlighted a lot. Yeah. Also windsurfing instructor in Australia, 
You're having a laugh. That is that sounds so much better than any corporate job. <laughs> I do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. I love windsurfing. It's so oh, nice. Oh my man. Yeah, yes. I I haven't done it for so long, but I absolutely love it. Just being on the water is so amazing. I have a job in um in Cornwall over the summer. I've worked almost every summer since I was 13, which yeah. is as a water sports instructor, sort of. Um it's so nice. It's so just being on the water is so calming, right? And just it's such such an amazing thing. So I would I would drop everything and go and do that job. It sounds brilliant. Yeah. No, no, it, yeah, it's it's been it's been the best thing I could do. I mean, I've you know. I was fortunate enough to get to a point where I was kind of like, you know, semi-professional and I had a few sponsors and, and all this stuff. And then um, I actually, or, I organized the UK freestyle championships now. And well, I, was, I couldn't last year, obviously, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, so I, I'm still, still very involved. And like, I've done a lot of podcasts with a lot of guys who, you know, talking about the effects of going in the sea on mental health and stuff. And I, yeah. for me, I, I, I'm a huge advocate for, um, I think it's really important to have a passion, to have something like that yeah. that you can devote a few hours to. And even if I'm not, you know, going windsurfing because it's conditions dependent, you need the wind and the tides to work. But even if I'm that, I'm still, you know, watching videos or, you know, looking at forecasts and all this stuff. I've, I've got a kind of driving force that is completely separate to my career. Um, and I think a lot of people don't have that, especially given what we've just been talking about. If you, if your job becomes your identity and then within that job, you get treated like shit, yeah you know that's where people are going to really suffer but i think having something outside it. of it yeah. is is a really really um valuable thing to have yeah absolutely and also it gives you motivation because let's be honest if you didn't have a passion if you didn't have something you wanted to do like go windsurfing at the weekends right then you're just stuck yeah and people get stagnated don't they and when you get stagnated it just just everything seems worse and then you can get into a bit of a spiral if you have something that you really are passionate about that you can schedule and you're like looking forward to something and you can like you say spend your time researching and and you know doing all this stuff that is so special and that's something to cherish um and and more people should more people should go out and try and find these passions and and it takes a lot of time so because i don't think we have much patience anymore humans we, no. <laughs> we're quite quick everything happens instantly and yeah. not many people are, are ready to actually dedicate time to trying new things anymore um because like how many people have actually tried windsurfing right it's it's not something that many people have done but you've done it and found some passion i think more people should be going out and trying new things and trying to get something to dig their teeth into because let's be honest the working week's shit it's so shit no one enjoys the nine to five really yeah. or they tell they might tell themselves they do but they really don't okay but so many people just pretend like that's their life and then they have nothing to do at the weekends and it's just such a waste of time and, and people wonder why they're so unmotivated but they have nothing to look forward to so yeah i, I think being able to have some sort of passion like that especially when it's physical and it's outdoors it's so beneficial so so beneficial yeah even even you know and there's unfortunately and you know i'm sorry if this offends a lot of people but you know going going out drinking with your mates at the weekend that's not a hobby mate it's not a passion that doesn't <laughs> yeah. you know and, and and but that's what a lot of people live for don't they there's all the you know especially in the uk oh i'm living for the weekend like friday night and all this i mean obviously not at the moment but but generally, that's the that's the kind of culture. And you've got to think, you know, like, don't get wrong. At the beginning, we said, you know, I, I love going out for a beer with my mates. One of my favorite things to do. But mm -hmm. I like doing it after we've been windsurfing together. Or I like doing it, you know, even, I don't know, even going for a walk with each other first. Or, you know, let's walk yeah. to the pub. You know, think, things like that. Just so you, you get a feeling of accomplishment as well um, is, what, is what a lot of people are missing, I think. And then it's a vicious circle, isn't it? You do the Monday to Friday, then you go out. 
you spend a load of money on shit that mm. makes you feel bad and then you go oh i've spent all my money and i've got to go work you know and then it, it yeah. just it, it's just a vicious circle that i think people people get really trapped in don't they oh they do they do and i feel so sorry because you do that you get into that spiral you go to work you spend it on alcohol at the end of the week and you you know you wake up feeling terrible on a sunday and a monday and then you do it all over again and then you keep just draining the motivation out of your life and then you have no motivation to try anything or go do your windsurfing or your or your running or anything it's just a horrible thing so people yeah i mean this <laughs> This is a bit depressing now, isn't it? But yeah, people need to, to go out, <laughs> let, pick up a windsurfing board, learn to windsurf, you'll be absolutely fine. That, that's basically what we're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, basically, this, is, this this whole podcast is just one big advert to get people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To be fair, I haven't been for years. I'd love to go again. Oh, mate, I'll have to, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some links of, of where, you know, places to go and, and all yes, that. Um, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely, so much fun. Yeah, you definitely need to get back into it. So, I mean, one of the, you know, those who, who do follow you, um, or even even who don't. I mean, um, one of the real big things that you've been been really campaigning for, and something I was really interested to talk to you about it, mainly because, as I said, I, I didn't go to university, but that is, you know, campaigning for university students to have more access to to you know mental health. Um, I've lost. I've, I can't think of the word, but you know, more more access to help yeah. with mental health um, and things like that. I mean, you know, I, I, as far as I gather, you're at university and everything. But can you can you talk a little bit more um, about that and and kind of where where that sort of side came from for you? Definitely. So over the last few months, I've had a lot, and I mean a lot of messages and people yeah. contacting me to talk about their own experiences at university. And it's some of the stories have been absolutely horrific. Like some of the people and some of the stories they've had from what universities have done and the way they've been dealt with is, is just it's almost sickening actually some of the stories I've heard mm. and then there's the news that the University of Manchester student died um, Finn at the University of Manchester and yeah. it really just kind of was the pinnacle and it was the, the icing on top if you like f- of what was going on I think for a very very long time universities have been getting away with quite a lot there's no accountability there's very little support they treat students as numbers in fact actually they treat students like livestock um we are just farm animals to them that they can take off slaughter and then make money off us. Um, yeah. And I know that's pretty strong language, but that's exactly that's exactly how we feel. We feel like we've we've just been treated like farm animals um, that are being used for profit. Yeah, there's no accountability. So at the moment, I'm I'm working on a, a campaign that was launched very recently which is all about trying to bring accountability towards universities with how they do treat their students, not treat them academically and how much academic support they give them and how you know good their teaching is, but how they treat them in, in the sort of mental health area. What are their mental health services like? Do they offer mental health services to everyone? You know, do they consider the impact of their decisions on student mental health? All of those questions for majority of the universities in the UK has been no, they haven't. They have not given services to everyone. They have not taken into consideration the effect that their decisions are going to have on student mental health. They haven't. And unfortunately, there's no way of telling which universities are good at that and which universities are not good at that. Yeah. No one's keeping track. So basically, this campaign's about trying to introduce mental health service Um to the university league tables nationally so when you go online you find the league table it'll say you know oxford university is number one it's got 99 percent, you know for their academic teaching um 
98% for their academic support. And we want to add a column that goes mental health support. What do students rate the mental health support of the university? So you can go onto that list and you can find, you know, this is the best one. This is the worst one. And also to be, to be among the best universities in the country, you don't just have to have good academic support. You absolutely have to have good mental health support as well, which has been missing for years at universities. So basically, what it, to, to bring all that together, you saved yourself three years and a whole lot of money by not going, and I'm very jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> but you, um, I mean, you know, I mean, I hate to talk about COVID too much on these podcasts because I'm so aware that everyone's so bored of it, but was was this recognised and were you getting these messages um, before COVID started? I mean, I obviously completely understand that it's only been accelerated and highlighted even more because of it, which in a way to me is, I guess, a good thing. Um, but did were you getting these messages before COVID happened and things, you know, back in 2019 and stuff? Not really, you know. Um, I mean, probably, um, probably a few, but not not in the sense, not in the, the same scale as, as I've had over the last few months. Yeah. Um, the frustration has been massive. I think before COVID, there was maybe... I, I met I met a girl that, that spoke about um, her friend had died at university and was basically scathing of the university for how they dealt with that. Um, but other than that, not very many. And I think what this has taught us, this whole pandemic, is that universities are not there to provide a service to students. <laughs> in fact, in, any, if anything, students are there to provide a service for the university. Yeah. Um, and it, it should be the other way around because we're paying a huge amount of money to be there. Uh, and unfortunately, not only is the education slacking for most people in the country, they are not treating us like people. You know, locking people in rooms is not yes. treating a person as a person. Yeah. Um, and it seems silly to even say this about such massive organisations, but they are failing at, at legal duties of care. And, and you know, to, the fact that inquests are not coming back and, and pointing the finger at universities for some of these tragic deaths i think is is quite saddening so look i'm going to try and bring some accountability to it we've had almost thirty-five thousand signatures now which is just crazy we've we've got in touch with all the main the major um league tables that are all um quite supportive of it so yeah. who knows but something's got to change because it is absolutely appalling i mean behind Behind closed doors and things, I mean, I, I'm not sure, you know, how much you can you can say to this, but I mean, have you had any? Uh, what what have the actual, you know, the university? I don't I don't know who they would be, but you know, the the people who work at the university, the people that are in charge, people that can actually make decisions. I mean, have you had any contact with them? Has there been any backlash from them? Kind of telling, you know, trying to sweep you under the floor or anything, or are, are they actually kind of recognised? Actually, yeah, we've been locking locking, you know, eighteen to twenty two year olds up like cattle. Um, and then and then shouting at them for pushing fences down that we put up. I mean, what um, have you had any backlash from them? Have they said anything? No worries if you can't say any of this stuff, by the way. Oh, no, I'm, I'm an open book. If someone said something to me, no matter what I've signed, um, it'll be <laughs> it'll be broadcast. Um, so, no, not particularly. So um, I'm at the University of Liverpool. Right. I had a meeting with the senior um, people at, at that uni. Yeah. Um, and you know what? It's probably going to come as a surprise but they were very, very honest and they were very genuine. And I think they're doing a very good job, but I don't think they're doing a good enough job. Right. Um, so a lot of what we spoke about was kind of 
a lot of what I spoke about is where I think they could be doing better. And then what a lot of they, a lot of what they spoke about is what they're <laughs> already doing. Right. Um, and look, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to them. They are very, they're, they're clearly trying to help. I don't think anyone in this space is, is actually actively going out to hurt students and to, and to oh, actually, I don't think anyone's doing that. What I am saying is I think they need some guidance from students on how to do this better. One of the biggest things that we spoke about was that I learned things in that meeting that I didn't know before. I learned of services in the meeting with the vice pro chancellor of the university that I didn't know before. I've been at this university for two and a half years and I literally told them, I was like, the fact that I'm learning about that now is exactly what's wrong because yeah. I should have le- I should have known that from the first day of freshers, right? I should not have been learning about that in a meeting with you guys. Um, you know, some of the, the stuff they're doing is fantastic, but it's just not being communicated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think there's little lapses in communication that that does make a huge impact. Um, so look, I think there's a number of universities that that have got some good stuff in place. We just need that little push from us, a little push to just just improve that and, and make it better communicated and then hold the ones that are not doing anything to account. Because again, it's the positive and negative. We want to highlight who's doing it well and absolutely shine a massive, great spotlight on those people <laughs> that are that are not doing it well. Um, so it's kind of, we've got both sides, but from my experience, the University of Liverpool, although they have their flaws, they seemed genuinely quite committed to it, which which is our credit to them too. That's, that was nice actually, that meeting. As you said though, I mean, I can't imagine any, you know, heads of universities out there are sitting there going, "Yeah, we don't give a we don't give a shit about mental health." You know, I, I just can't I can't believe that Darth Vader's sitting in a room going, "Nah, mate, we don't care about this." You know, because <laughs> there's nothing for them. I don't understand what there is for them to gain other than, you know, more money potentially. Um, but yeah, I think it, you're right. It, it comes down to, you know, this, the exact same issue as one friend talking to another friend and it's just lack of communication. Yeah, exactly. A good analogy with the Darth Vader because most of them are about as old as him. And uh, <laughs> Although they're not on the dark side, they're very much on the white side because they're all just old, old, old and white, aren't they? Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, it does come back down to, to communication. Um, it's it's so, so bad. Some, and again, like some of the stories I've heard of people that are literally diagnosed with things that are being just completely separated from a single person being given food through a door and you're like yes we're in covid times and i understand that's a really important thing that we've got to tackle but you've got to look at the the consequences of some of these actions um it is absolutely horrendous and you're right i don't think anyone's <laughs> being darth vader and sitting there going oh we're going to annoy them and we're going to test them by all doing yeah, all yeah, this yeah, exactly. what i do what i do think is there's a massive misunderstanding of yeah. of mental health i don't think they have the understanding they know it's something they've got to protect. They know it's something we've got to work on. They don't know why and they don't know how. And a great example of this is this culture in universities that you have to do all-nighters and you have to do loads of work and you and law students almost feel like they're not doing enough work if they're not working through the night. Yeah. That's been created as a culture in universities because universities want to seem like it's a really amazing thing that we're doing, a degree, and it's really hard. Uh, that They've done that on purpose to make you feel like you need to do that, right? That in itself proves to me that they don't understand the consequence of some of these things. You know, I don't think university students should be 
allowed to work at weekends. I don't think they should be allowed to go to lectures after no. 5 p.m. I don't think they should be allowed to go to lectures before nine. I don't think I think it should be more strictly regulated, just like a working day in an office is. But it's not because they want to cling on to this prestige they once had. They don't have anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think it's malicious at all. I really don't. But there's such a misunderstanding people have no idea what this issue is they just know about it um and so yeah we'll see but but they need to know and like the thing that annoys me is they clearly know that they don't know but no one at any point has actually asked a student what the best thing that they can do is you know they all just have these committee meetings where they go oh that would be a good idea go and put fences up and then wonder why there's been a backlash because they don't talk to students um and surely we're the best people <laughs> to ask about these yeah. things um it's almost like they're they want to hold on to their prestige and be like oh we don't discuss things with students you know but yeah it's um it's an interesting it's an interesting one i just don't think there could be any reason why having this on the league table and having some accountability would be a bad thing for anyone i think that would be the perfect perfect step towards bettering the support of universities yeah, hundred percent. As you as you said, accountability is the main word because then they can suddenly go, oh shit, we're lacking in this, we're lacking in this. So when they do exactly. have their, when they do, you know, sit around the table and have the little board meetings, um, they do that. Do you do you ever wonder? I mean, obviously, as I said, dude, I've I've never been to uni. I you know didn't go other than a you know couple of nights out or whatever when I went to visit friends in Edinburgh and stuff. But um, do you do you do you ever wonder maybe if it's like a generational thing? Obviously, you know, for us, I mean, I, I imagine you're early twenties, so we're in a you know similar generation. Um, but it's a lot, it's a lot more accepted in our generation to talk about you know what's going on in our heads, and it's still not accepted enough. Hence, we're having this conversation. But it still is a lot more accepted than you know someone in say like you know our parents or slightly older generation. As you said, all the people in charge are, are quite old. Do you ever wonder if it is this generational thing and they perhaps don't quite understand um why, you know, there's yeah. maybe a bit more of a stiff upper lip generation, if you know what I mean. No, 100%. Absolutely 100%. I mean, let's let's face it, when they were young and growing up and learning this was not something that they were talking about this was not something that was on their radar at all you know i said i said at the beginning of this that i didn't know what mental health was um i think that was you know maybe i knew more at that point than some people do that are obviously of an age in that older generation i think that does play a part because i think the one issue that really shows that there is this misunderstanding and there's this sort of conflict between young and old is with this um with the lgbt movement and most most like crucially here is the sort of non-binary trans um trans movement i think that is one of the most misunderstood in the old generation and they are so hostile to it yeah and that's very much similar to mental health is they don't understand it but with obviously with the gender with the gender stuff they they almost become quite hostile to it. and this is obviously a massive generalization but of course, a yeah. lot of them do have that misunderstanding and i think it's the same with mental health but how can we expect them to know about it i mean no one's ever sat them down and, and discussed it um which is why i think people need to be though they need to take the initiative and actually try and learn a little bit more and, and again they start talking to their students start talking to young people about these issues because clearly if you run an institution for young people you should know a bit about young people and clearly a lot of them they, they don't yeah is that is that not why universities have i mean again maybe i'm you know watching too many movies but is that not why they have kind of you know a student body or a student president and all this stuff do they not relay information is that is that not the whole reason that you have you know this kind of you know institution there mm. 
they do student unions and you know what student unions are great they're great for students they petition for things they campaign for things but <laughs> the the experience i've had with student unions and this is might not be the experience of everyone is that yeah. student unions are great for the university when they're dealing with small minor issues like housing and say minor issue that's quite a big issue but but issues they they agree on maybe yeah. the university's fine about them it's when there's a serious thing that the guild um, or the student union starts getting involved in is when the university goes oh no sorry we, we don't you know we don't deal with you with this one and there seems to be this point where if it doesn't work for them they they don't want to have any you know they're not going to do anything um so i think it's important to have that student voice and obviously the student um presidents uh, guild presidents are go in and have meetings with them and they are brilliant for highlighting that but any university leader that doesn't have regular meetings with students not elected students not people that have been elected to be leaders of students but actual students (laughs) i think it's getting it totally wrong because you're having this disconnect you're leading university based on the experience you have from your conversations with elected people. Like, let's not do that. Let's lead your university from experiences you've had with your students, right? It doesn't make sense. So, I mean, not that I ever would in a million years, but if I was running university, I would have a weekly Zoom or a weekly meeting with students, with people that want to talk to me about their issues. Wouldn't let it, I wouldn't let the guild do that. Wouldn't let one person come to me with all their problems. Yes, I'd still have the guild, but let's just have a meeting where I can talk to my students, which barely any of them do, which doesn't make sense to me. It's like they sit on their high castle, their ivory, ivory tower, better than everyone, right? It really, really annoys me. Yeah. Um, but hey-ho, at least they're knighted. I was going to say, yeah, it's a bit like, <laughs> a bit like you know, even even in even in Game of Thrones, like Daenerys, you know, she has the you know the the shepherds come in and they want to talk and say their problems. Like universities can't even do that, and she burnt a city to the ground. You know. <laughs> wow. Okay. Your your comparison, not mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. In case, in case you hadn't noticed by now, I'm a bit of a nerd, mate. You know, I'm making Star Wars references. I'm talking Game of Thrones. But yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, even but it, but. Going back to it, 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 it is silly. It goes, it you know, goes back to thousands of years. Kings and queens, they have you know, common people come and say, "Oh, well, I'm having this problem. I'm having this problem." Yet, you know, in this day and age, in the 21st century, people, heads of universities, can't even be like, "Let's let's get a few students in and see what's going on." Mm. You know, mm. even for an hour, one hour a week, like no one is that busy. No one also, is that busy. also not to do that because you're doing it not to do that to appear like you're doing it right to actually yeah. do that because you want to learn because yeah. so many people would do that to look like they care about their students but actually yeah. that defeats the point you've got to meet these people to find out who they are what they do you know what actually how best you can help them at the moment there's not really much of that that goes on in universities from my experience anyway it might be different around the country it might be different from university to university but that's exactly what we want to find we want to find those universities that are doing that and give yeah. them the stage give them the center stage and go yeah send your kids or send yourself to these universities because they're doing a fantastic job whereas these ones that you thought were good because they have good grades they're terrible do not fucking go there. That's what we need, right? We need a table that shows that. At the moment, we don't have it, which is what we're calling for because I genuinely think people need to be informed about this because it's it's a big decision, especially when, for a young man, it's the most likely way you're going to die, suicide. You want to know where's going to support you and where's going to chuck you out to a local NHS trust and claim that you're not their responsibility, like I've seen a number of times over the last few months. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah, and as you said, you know, as a young man, 
it's it's the most likely way you're going to die. And like, you know, those generally people go to uni, you know, you're between 18, 22, that kind of thing on you. I think that's like the most vulnerable time of your life. Like up and up until that point. Yeah, you're still a kid, but you, you still live at home. You still live at home with mom. You Well, most people do, you know, you, you still live at home. You're, you know, finishing school or you're doing this. You still have that safety net. But when you go off to uni, you've still got no. I mean, I'm 29 and I'm still I'm only just starting to figure out who I actually am. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you, you you have no idea who you are. You have no idea what you really want to do. You're going, usually people who go to uni, you, you don't go around, you know, you go all over the country. You know, you're not, you don't necessarily have that safety bubble. So people generally are at their most vulnerable. And it seems like to me is the place where there is the, the least amount of help offered. Mm. Let's not forget that a few months before you went to university, a day, the same day that you were asked, what do you want to do with your life and what degree do you want to do? You had to put your hand up to go to the toilet. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Okay. You know, sixth formers and, and, you know, 18 year olds, 17 year olds, they are quite old and they're quite mature, but they're still, they're still quite young, very influential. A lot of them, their brain is still developing. And yeah. to, to then put them through something so stressful is really quite damaging in the long run. You know, we see the statistics, we see that a lot of mental illnesses stem from experiences that happen in and around their 20s uh, at end of the teens that's when it really is a key point to to look after the mental health because that can create long-term issues yeah which is why i think and i you know like you i don't want to bang on about covid because <laughs> everyone's sick of it yeah. i'm especially more than anyone i'm oh, so man. sick of it yeah. but that's why i think we're at a really crucial time now because you know that that influential time that i'm talking about that moment when people's brains are developing and we need to protect them they yeah. have been they've experienced a trauma you know a lot of them have experienced a trauma um of being locked up and, and a sort of trauma of being isolated and that's going to have an impact on their mental health and it could have an impact on their long-term mental health and create illness and we are not ready in this country we do not have the infrastructure available for a mass mental health problem we do yeah. not what happens then, if that does happen in the next few years, is we have an increased suicide rate, which is horrific and catastrophic. But we are caught with our pants down if that does happen, because we have such a chronic issue in this country where we cannot give people support. We can't even give them support in private universities. The NHS is absolutely at its end in terms of the support you can provide. Yeah. Um, and we've just faced the biggest crisis in the country and not to get political. But the year that we faced this crisis, the government put 500 million into the mental health service as a one-off payment. That is a a naught point, and uh, that's a four percent increase in the budget to, for this massive crisis. I think if we don't do something radically different, and we don't start investing in this, and we don't start educating about this, and we don't don't start having that support in place, we're just sleepwalking into this major crisis. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it. you know, as I said to you before we hit record, my, my girlfriend, Heidi, she's a teacher. Um, and we actually had a conversation about this um, yesterday when I said I was doing this podcast with, with you. And she said, oh, who's he? And, and I sort of explained it. All. And she said for her, as a, she's a primary school teacher. And, and she was like, the, the mental health training they get at that level. So even as kids, it depends. On, it's a school to school base, you yeah. know, similar to university, I guess. So some schools, they don't don't offer anything she's lucky enough she goes to a, a you know a really good school around where we are and she's had a bit of training but again as we as we said you know 
you feel like the training is there to get them through school rather than to prepare them for, for life. Much like, you know, people go, why, why did I have to learn Pythagoras when I was a kid? When am I <laughs> going to take that into life? Why didn't I learn about yeah. taxes instead? But it's, it's that kind of attitude as well, but designed towards mental health. They prepare you and keep you mentally there to get you through your exams. And then they're mm. like, right, see, see you later. You're someone else's problem now until you're 18 or until you're 22. And then they're like, right, now you really are someone else's problem. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. And and I think the curriculum at schools is, has been set up so badly because you're right. Like, when are we going to need to know about Pythagoras? I mean, when? Did I, when's, the, when's the last time I used the quadratic equation? <gasps> what? I do an engineering degree. I haven't even used the quadratic oh, really? equation. In years. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I think the, I mean, you, you mentioned taxes. I mean, the fact that we're not taught about taxes, I think, is ridiculous. I, I still don't know. <laughs> everything about taxes right and i'm i'm 20 i don't know what's going to happen with taxes i don't know the ins and outs of taxes i've been yeah. at school for most of my life why isn't someone not tap me on the shoulder unless i'm being like this is compound tax wait yeah. get used to it because you're going to pay a lot of it you know yeah. let someone is do that and it's the same with mental health how can we chuck people out at the end of school have this big celebration as they leave and then everyone turns around and realizes oh hang on we actually, actually haven't been prepared for life at all they've just given yeah. us some grades on a piece of paper that means little um also with this whole mental health training for teachers it's not just to look after kids either yeah. teachers have an incredibly stressful job incredibly stressful job and people always say oh but the holidays yeah but they have an incredibly difficult job to do um and i don't think they get the appreciation that they deserve um and it's very very stressful so this training you know training teachers in mental health first aid isn't just for the students because we know like statistically people that have undergone this training have actually felt better themselves yeah of course actually yeah, improved yeah. themselves and we need to do something for teachers as well because there is mental there's a higher rate of of mental illness within teachers i mean how many teachers go off for stress you know a lot i've had a few teachers go off for stress it's incredibly stressful and we're not yeah. doing much to protect them either so this training not only for students but, but also for those those people that are that are leading it yeah, 100%. I mean, even, you know, as I said, even with with me, you know, since I've started this podcast, not only has it been a, a great way for me to, you know, invest my time and, and kind of keep me busy and stuff, but the actual conversations I've had and stuff, I've, I've, I'm, I'm not just doing it for the audience, you know, I've generally taken taken things away myself as well and gone, ah, oh, you know, so I can, I can only imagine, you know, doing something like an actual, you know, a course and mental health first aid and stuff, of, of course, you're going to take stuff away from it yourself. Um, and, you know, generally, I mean, if your if your teacher's pretty pretty cool and pretty happy and you can see that they're kind of enjoying what they're doing, generally you're going to enjoy your time as well. You know, happy happy teacher. Well, from my experience, certainly when I was you know at school and stuff, if if you te- you know happy teacher make equals happy kids. Yeah, that's exactly right. And also, informed teacher is going to make good students, right, and good people that learn. Because yeah. at the moment, we've introduced the curriculum, PSHE um, curriculum, mental health, but we're not training teachers in this. So what we're doing then is putting people that don't really know what the subject's about and we're telling them to teach students, highly influential students that desperately need to know this because it's yeah. affecting one in four of them. All right. We need to get them to teach it, but they don't know what they're talking about. How the training hasn't come first in that decision. I've got no idea. That makes no sense to me. But, no. you know, we've got to play catch up. Um, every teacher in the UK should have mental health training and know what to do if a student's struggling. That just makes sense to me because statistically three kids in every classroom have a diagnosable mental health condition. 
Mm. You know, that's statistically how many students have a mental health condition. And yet so few teachers would know what to do if that happens. And that's nothing on them. That's no, you know, that's no disrespect to them. They haven't been taught how to recognize this. They haven't been taught how to how to deal with these situations. But I think they should. You know, teachers are taught what to do if a student needs a peanut. They're taught how to use an EpiPen, but they're not taught about mental health. And I'm like, well, how many people die from eating a peanut in the classroom? And how many people are actually dying of suicide? 200 yeah. young people every year, 200 school age children every year. And we're not teaching teachers how to how to help in that. And I think a lot of teachers would like to be able to to help. Or at least a, a lot of teachers I know would love to be able to help a little bit yeah. more than they can. That's the, that, that's the problem as well. And I think it's one of those unfortunate things. Obviously, I, I see it firsthand. As I said, my girlfriend's a teacher and stuff. I see it firsthand. And, you know, parents especially, like they they kind of, you know, lay a lot of this blame on teachers. And, they're you know, the teachers are like, well, it's not me, mate. Like, I'm, I need, I need, you know, whoever's above. I need the old men in the tower to be like, yeah, cool, right. We're going to give these teachers this so that they're prepared to deal with whatever's going on with this child. You know, it's, they're, they're kind of the middlemen almost, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I think they play, play a crucial role. And also children, we're, we're school more time every day when we're at school than we are at home. You know, we come home, we have dinner, we go and do work and then we go to bed. We're at school for most of the day. And, uh, you know, when we're talking to students, a lot of them don't want to talk to parents about these issues. No. They'd much rather talk to a teacher. Um, and at the moment, that's really difficult because there are not many teachers present themselves in a way that is quite open and and you know not many students would feel like they could talk to teachers um so i think we need to get to a point where that's that's sensible because in an ideal world if you had a problem you go to your teacher and then they could signpost or organize further help for you and it just accelerates that process because we, we mental health very similar to cancer in that regard if you catch something early and if you you identify something early and you start treating something early it, it's much much better in the long run and you can overcome these issues but you have to catch them early you know, you can't be dealing with these things when a student has, you know, been found by the police um, from attempting suicide. You know, you yeah. that's far too late. And at the moment, all we're doing is focusing on those people. We're not even finding those people that are struggling. We're just concentrating solely on the crisis. Uh, and it just doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's not it's not sustainable to, to focus on that. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, it, the focus should be on, you know, prevention in the first place, shouldn't it? You know, and that's why I think, you know, that's why it's so good. I mean, even, you know, a couple of couple of interesting guests I've had on before who have openly said, look, I don't have any mental health issues. And one of them, uh, a pro kite surfer called Sam Light, and he was like, yeah, I see a I see a therapist and all of this stuff. And he was like, I do it for prevention. He was like, you know, I because I, I know it's a thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware that this thing is out there and all this. And it's it's so easy to look at a guy like that, you know, traveling the world, doing what he loves and he's fucking amazing at it. And, you know, it looks, looks like this dude's got everything and, you know, earning a living from it as well and all this, but it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. It can hit anyone, you know, um, whether you're post Malone or Jeff Bezos or the janitor in, in a school, it doesn't matter who you are, how, you know, anything, how famous you are, yeah. how rich you are, it, it can, uh, it, whatever age you are, it can affect everyone. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's really important yeah. to try and keep those preventative measures because I mean it may, it'd be interesting to see what you, you say about this because you're you know clearly far more informed than than I am about this but mental health to me as well is something or issues within mental health are something that you're never going to fully get rid of it's not like you get a bruise and eventually it goes away I think it's kind of learning right I've got this thing and it, it can it's a bit like having you know eczema or something maybe it's a bit disgusting but you know eczema you have flare-ups 
you know, sometimes you eat something or you do something weird and mm. you, get, you get eczema on your arm or something and it gets really itchy. And mental health is maybe a bit like that. Of you kind of, what's important is having that awareness and knowing, right, I can recognize when I'm having a bad day or I can feel a bad day coming. Because you can. I mean, from my personal experience, I can. And having that awareness is, is so important to have. But in order to have that, you need to, you know, either have help or have talked to someone or, or know those preventative measures that you can take. Yeah, you're so right. And also, you know, mental health, you're, you, you're right, is not something that you necessarily just get over like a bruise. Like you just, you know, get better immediately. It is something that you, you recover from and you, yeah. you have to deal with. And a lot of people will spend their life managing it. But yeah. that's not to say that you can't get to a point where it doesn't affect you. you know, yeah. That's not to say that you get to a point where you aren't, you're not even conscious that that's something that's going on. You know, you just control it and, and you keep it at bay. Um, but mental health, really, what, what, what is it? It's, it's your chemicals in your brain. <laughs> that's what it is. It's your yeah. brain health. Um, so what is mental illness? It's actually a, a chemical imbalance. It's the chemicals in your brain not quite being at the level they need to be. And it makes you display different emotions. It makes you, you know, a bit feel different and, and think yeah. differently. And so how could that possibly, how could that possibly discriminate against people? You know, yeah, exactly. literally less serotonin or, you know, this is a very simplistic way. How could less serotonin not affect someone that's, you know, a multi-billionaire like Jeff Bezos? It's ridiculous that people have this opinion that, that they're untouchable. No, you're not. All it takes is something to take a little bit of that serotonin away and, and chronically keep you at a low level of yeah. hormones. And you're exactly the same position as, as all these other people. Um, yeah. So you're right. And it is something that everyone's got to be aware of and everyone's got to, to, to take care of. But also on the flip side, let's not talk about mental illness for a second. Let's talk about mental wealth, which is having really good mental health. It's the same as having really good physical fitness. If you can run a marathon in two hours, you're incredibly fit. If you can wake up, meditate, and then bang out like loads and loads of really good quality work all day at work and be super, super high performance at work, that's incredible. You're like this, you're like a marathon runner, but in the mental health terms, right? Yeah. People can get to that point. And when we talk about mental health, we always concentrate on like the negative side. We talk about illness and we talk about, you know, all this negative stuff. But actually, there's the whole other side that we're not talking about, which is the fact that if you can get control of this and you can meditate and you can go for a run, you can do yoga and you can actually look after your mental health. Yeah, you can be in such a great position and it can revolutionize your life. And yeah. actually, one of the one of the first articles I wrote for LinkedIn was titled Mental Health as a Superpower. And it can be. Um, and some of what we try and do is try and shift that focus away from workplaces, looking at mental health as something to avoid and actually start looking at it as something to encourage because it's going to in improve your efficiency. It's going to improve your productivity. So there's also that other side, which is what your, your friend, the kite surfer is obviously doing, which is amazing. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, things, I mean, I, um, I started running for the first time in my life. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a runner, um, but I, I started in, in uh, November for November. I decided to set myself a kind of physical challenge as well as just growing a mustache. Um, and and I still run today. I went for a run today, and it's I call it. I kind of I think the Rock said this originally. I'm I'm definitely stealing it from someone, but it, it kind of has become my anchor throughout the day. Um, so I know at 3 p.m. every day, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm you know I'm going to get work to a point where I can stop, and then I go for a run, and then sometimes I come back and do a bit more. Sometimes I don't, but that 3 p.m. run 
it like I build my day up towards it and then it just releases everything and then I hit a reset button kind of for the evening and I can chill and I don't necessarily think and you know I feel like I can eat as much dinner as I want and and all yeah. that stuff so it's I think again it go it, it goes back to and, and everyone is different everyone finds that different thing um that they can that they can kind of do and, and use but that's I think what you said that's that's really important is actually looking at mental health in a positive light as well as a as well as yeah. a negative light and but it, it's so easy to not include things like oh well i go for a run because it makes me feel good and it's like dude that that's part of your your mental health or mental wealth <laughs> yeah you know that's still part of it but i think a lot of people displace it a little bit and go no that's nothing to do with my mental health i'm doing it to lose weight or to get fit for summer mm. it's like you maybe are but subconsciously i think it's doing good things for your brain you know yeah out of interest when you go for a run are you tracking your times um, I'm not tracking my times at the moment. Um, I've got a vague idea. Like I just put a podcast on. I, I track, I mean, I run 5K every day. I run the same route, 5K. Um, yeah. I, I, I live right next to the beach, so I run along the seafront. So it's it's beautiful. But um, I haven't started yet. I do want to start. I think I've done one or two where I've done it under half an hour, mm. um, which is kind yeah. of, that, that's generally the goal with a 5K, isn't it? Yeah, um, exactly. But, but no, also, I, yeah, not in, not, in, not in terms of like how quickly you can run it but the fact that you know this like monitoring and timing yourself and and seeing yourself improve that in itself is a fantastic tool to have that like motivation to want to go a little bit faster or to actually have that that goal goals in life are so important at like giving us motivation to do things and so like this is what I'd like to get to a point of doing. I'm not great at going for a run. I, I used to do quite a lot and then I stopped and then I did kind of do it on and off. Right. Um, it's which is because you know sometimes it feels amazing, like going for a run does feel amazing sometimes. Um, but I'd like to get to a point as well where I can track it and slowly see myself improve because that's such that's like an extra endorphin boost, isn't it? When you can yeah. see that you're improving and you've also gone for a run you get so much more pleasure out of that and it also gives you gives you a bit of meaning to life as well because so many people don't have any meaning um and to actually have even a small goal like that just gives your weekend a little bit of meaning you know something to look forward to something to aim for something to push yourself something to challenge yourself that's not just oh, let's work a little bit harder um so yeah i i just yeah that's something i'd like to do as well something i'd like to get yeah. into no, it's it's uh, yeah, hundred percent. It is something that's been that's been in in my brain, and I think you're right. It does add that extra bit. But I mean, you know, especially those, you know, obviously, I, we'll talk about COVID for a second. But you know, in in lockdown stuff, we are limited to the things we can do, and and we've got to kind of try and find that joy in kind of what would have been viewed before as kind of fairly mundane. Um, but we've got to find the joy in in these kind of simple pleasures in life um and things like <laughs> yeah. think you know and that sounds so fucking corny but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, uh, i was just thinking like imagine imagine before all this someone someone saying that and it's yeah, so weird no. but also imagine imagine the only thing we could do to see a friend is to go for a run like that's that's the reality of where we're at exactly. at the it's just ridiculous My anyone friend... that tried to get me onto a zoom quiz would have got a big fat no before oh, mate, yeah <laughs> like what what are we even doing here my, <laughs> yeah. my friend my friend said said something funny to me the other day i mean i assume i assume have you have you seen lord of the rings yeah yeah my friend said to the other day he was like we've basically all become hobbits haven't we and i was like what do you mean and he was like well hobbits just love doing you know they just cook food and they read, <laughs> yeah. they cook food they read books they water their plants they just they kind yeah. of take take the joy out of simple pleasures and i was like i was like fuck we are hobbits 
And I was like, it's Hobbits maybe... with Netflix. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, maybe, but maybe it's kind of a good thing. Like, I think there's going to be, it'd be interesting to see what you think. I think a lot of people are going to get a bit overwhelmed when we're let back out again. Oh, and they go, oh my God, we're allowed to do this and we're doing it. Like I was thinking the other day, I was like, I'm going to spend so much money you know, even just going out with my mates and like the thought of spending 50 quid on a load of beers and a burger and chips with my mates now, I'm like, oh, that's, that's a bit much, isn't it? I don't know. If, you know, I know. but at the same time, I'm don't get me wrong, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to do it every night of the week. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an odd one because I think, I think as well, interestingly with, with the, the, the kind of mental health side, I think a lot of people are, have kind of got used to this way of life a little bit and a bit, you know, the, the, yeah. the safety bubble have, has got really small again. You know, for the first lockdown, I went back up to Scotland to be with my mum and, you know, plugged the Xbox back in, went into my bedroom and I sat back down and I, <laughs> yeah. I, re- I, I reverted back to being 14 again for two and a half months, you know. And it was weird leaving when I drove back south and moved in with my girlfriend. You know, we got a flat together afterwards and we're like, let's let this is a sign. Let's move it together. And yeah. <laughs> you know, did all that. And it was really sad me leaving. And I, I, I felt like I was being ripped out of a comfort zone that I hadn't been in for over 10 years and I think it's interesting. I think there's going to be like, obviously, elation and, oh, my God, we're allowed out and it's going to be amazing. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are going to get a bit overwhelmed and a bit like, holy shit, I don't know if I can, you know, deal with going out, you know, and seeing mates and all this stuff that I haven't seen. There's going to be, it would be really interesting to see. I mean, obviously, I don't want it, want it to happen. But, um, but yeah, I yeah. think it, it, will be, it will be a strange time for a bit. You're, you're spot on. And actually, I had a... Um... I had a great conversation. I met a um, a youth board um, a few weeks ago, I think, and they were all like at school, these people, and they all worked for, they were on the a sort of advisory board for the Diana Award or like on their youth board. And I spoke to all of them um, and it was so interesting talking to them because they're all involved in like anti-bullying or a lot of them were involved in anti-bullying. Yeah. And I was like, actually, so many students, school students have had to, you know, been forced to go home and for that, that's a huge relief. They don't have to be around bullies. They don't have to be around that. So they don't have to have that social pressure. And so I think actually a lot of people, you're right. I think are going to be hit by the reality again. And it's been a very long time since we've yeah. been in normal. T- it's been like I was 20, I was 19 when we started lockdown. I'm almost 21. It's crazy. It's been a very long time yeah. to not have that social social pressures. And so I think, yeah, you're right. It's going to be a shock to the system when we get out for a lot of people. I mean, I like you. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to go back to that high octane, high octane life of <laughs> of a yeah. of a 20 year old student. But um, I think a lot of people are maybe not looking forward to it as much as they let on. Yeah, I've, I yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think it's. I mean, I was I was lucky enough last year. I managed to to get away to Greece for a couple of weeks to go and see all, see all my friends and all that stuff. So I lived a fairly normal summer, but I mean, it was bookended by some really really weird times. Um, and mm. I think this one this one especially because I think this one's going to go on for a little bit longer, and then suddenly it's going to be like right, the weather's good. We're really actually allowed out now. You know, hopefully because of the vaccine and we're you know all this stuff. And I I do think. I mean, myself included, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, by the sounds of it, you are as well, you know, both hugely, you know, sociable creatures and, 
as you said, mm. you're in the you're in the prime of your life in terms of going out and you know getting on getting on the Raz. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm 30 in August, mate. I'm going to be the weird old man at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. But I think I'll be the same when I'm uh, when I'm when I'm on my 10,000th birthday. Oh, um, it, it, you, you just transition. You just you just go to you just start going to different bars, mate. You know, it's it's yeah. Um, yeah. As <laughs> yeah, I said, exactly. I, I was never a, I was never a student anyway, so I don't I don't know what it was like. I went into a big club called Syndicate in Bristol once and i literally walked in and was like nope and just turned straight around <laughs> i think oh, even us even some of us do that for a lot of yeah. them <laughs> like, ah, this is this this yeah. is not this is not the light even though yeah i love going out and all this i was like this isn't the kind of going out i want to do no. yeah oh so, yeah yeah but no fine. that's right sometimes sometimes like we like we said before just sitting down in a pub just chatting having a good time i miss that so much oh, just yeah. being able to see more than one friend at a time is yeah, quite a, something i miss quite a lot yeah, the last, I think the last time I did it, me and my friends went to Brighton in the summer in July or something like that. Six of us, only six of us as well, but six of us went out oh, on the Raz in Brighton. And it was, I, I still, I still like one of my, like, it's the, one of the biggest memories of last year. And I'm like, that's, it's such a simple thing, just going out with my mates. But it's mm. one of my only real memories of seeing all my friends last year. Um, and it's yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be super interesting. Um, so I mean, just just before we we wrap up, I'm aware we've been on, on for a while, but the last thing I want to kind of get onto, and it's something I get onto with with quite a few people I have on that are in this kind of mental health space. I mean, is it? Do do you ever get a little bit um, sort of overwhelmed with it? You you get so many messages and so many stories and all this stuff. It must be difficult for you to you know, read, and as you said, you've read some horrible stories of university students and stuff. How do you regulate that? And, you know, do you ever feel like you need to kind of distance yourself? I noticed that you, you don't really post much on social media. You don't seem that active over the weekends. Um, is mm. that, is that something that you actively do? How, how do you deal with, with, I mean, I don't want to say the word fame, um, but if fame within this space, you know, of all these people messaging these stories, how do you keep yourself, you know, balanced? Is that something that you really try and keep on top of? yeah i mean let i'll go straight and say i was terrible at it um last year um it's taken me up until the last few months to actually get quite good at it um i was because like how i position myself online you do get some some difficult conversations you do get some people that are in quite difficult situations message you um and back when i started this i was quite quick to jump in and, and you know give my opinion and give my my advice um and i've learned now that that's not something i can do um so those people that do message are in difficult situations i do still reply and i do still you know signpost to services but it's it's a copy and paste message because i don't want to get involved in it any more than just uh here is someone you can talk to role because that's not what i'm about that's not what i'm trying to do and also i'm not trained i'm not I don't have any clinical knowledge. You know, it would be wrong of me to start giving people advice like I know what I'm talking about. I don't, you know. Um, yeah. And so it's only fair on them that I, that I signpost them to people that do. In terms of the messages, oh, my God, yeah, it gets so overwhelming sometimes in quite a nice way. Um, yeah. It's obviously I everything I do is to try and get some sort of influence on on this situation. And when people follow me or, or interact with what I'm doing it's huge it's massive uh, not just for what I'm trying to achieve but also you know this hopefully will turn out to be somewhat of a, a career or somewhat of a job so the fact that people do want to engage with it is brilliant but it does get a little bit overwhelming like this morning when I posted my my uh my story about my cup of tea I think I've got 600 messages from that it's just yeah. ridiculous and then I feel bad not replying to people because I like 
to reply. I think I don't want to come across as obnoxious and not reply to people. So I ended up sitting for like half an hour typing and typing and typing and typing. Yeah. So yeah, it does get overwhelming, but I am getting better. And like you say, I'm not really active on weekends. I try not to do anything on weekends. I try not to go on, on what I call like my public social media. I still talk to my friends, but I don't try not to do any of that at weekends so I can actually yeah. have that time off. I don't tend to reply to messages over weekends. Um, it's just that little it's that barrier because I want to be able to keep my work life, if you can call it that, and my social life apart because with social media, especially it's very difficult to get that boundary sometimes. Um, so that's what I've tried to do, um, which has worked. It's, it's worked quite well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's just, it's just something that's usually intriguing me, you know, things like, you know, famous, famous athletes or, you know, famous, you know, actors, whatever, things like that. They're almost, they're not necessarily expected to respond or anything like that. You know, it's, it's a different kind of interaction, but with someone like yourself, where you're encouraging this openness and conversation and mental health and all this, I imagine it must be difficult for you to be like, I can't reply to all these messages. And then, but you, you don't want to, you know, yeah, like you said, you don't want to make people feel like, oh, well, he's, he didn't reply to my story and all this stuff. You know, it's it, it must be a really difficult thing to do. I mean, obviously, it's an amazing thing to do. And it's, you know, it's fucking awesome that you've got the following that you've got. And it's, you know, it's resonated so well and it's helping so many people. Um, but yeah. I always do. I always do wonder. I think I think it's so important for, you know, someone in your position to make sure that you you kind of still keep that balance so that you're still living your own life, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you're so right, and also a lot. Not many people understand it. I'm not. I've like, I'm not going to try and talk about this like I'm some massive, you know, celebrity. I'm not. I'm. I've got a little glimpse at what their life is must be like, but it is really overwhelming, and a lot of people don't understand what it's like. So they'll message and and keep messaging, and then almost get annoyed that you're not talking back. And look, I try. I try and if not reply to everything, I try and at least read everything. Um, and there's a lot that I don't reply to, but have read because. I don't try and pretend for a second that people follow me because they, because they want to follow me. If you like, um, I am here because I want to try and create some change. That's yeah. my job on social media. And if I was to be so obnoxious that I didn't want to talk to people or just wanted to separate myself from people, that would be that would go against everything that I want to achieve. The you know, only way I can do what I'm doing is by staying informed and by talking to people. And that aside. I love talking to people. It's one of the things that I love about this is the fact that I get the opportunity to talk to people like yourself and to people like I do every day and, and hear people's stories. I absolutely love it, especially when I can end that conversation by telling them that I am absolutely doing everything I can to try and help. It's a, it's an absolute honour in life to be able to have those conversations. So, yeah, on, on one half, it's it's a bit overwhelming sometimes and it's a bit of a responsibility, but... I genuinely wouldn't change it for the world. I feel so honored to be given that position. Um, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. Wow. You're doing, you're doing amazing things, Ben. Um, so just to round, to round things off, then I was, I've got a little, little couple of quick fire questions. Oh, I love the quick fire round. It's oh, my yeah. favorite. All right. No, don't get too excited. Man. There's only three of them, but yeah. Okay. Um, we'll do it very quickly. <laughs> um, so uh, where, where is your happy place? You know, obviously COVID all this, but click, click your fingers right now. Where, where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> Oh, to be fair, Australia doesn't sound too bad. I don't like the cold very much. But um, no, there's a little island um, off the coast of Cornwall 
or a group of islands called the Isles of Scilly. And I've been going there on holiday since I was like four or five. Cool. Um, there's an island there called Briar. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, it's just that's where that's where I work every summer. I have worked there since I've since I was 13 um, on the on the boats on the water sports. So, yeah, I'd go there. It's so nice. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. The, the Isles of Scilly, are they, they're not in, are they like, they're not in lockdown at the moment. Are they, are they, are they not all good? <laughs> so they were at one point, the only tier two area in the country. Yeah. But they're now, they're now in national lockdown, I believe. Oh. Um, from what I've seen anyway, from the people I know there, um, and they're slowly getting vaccines, which is good. But um, yeah, they were the only people in the country that could go to a pub at one point. <laughs> so I was so jealous. Yeah. That's cool. No, I mean, I yeah, I love Cornwall. Me and my yeah, me and my girlfriend, we we go down to Newquay like at least oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at least once a year. I know that's such a standard. Oh, we got we got a Newquay, but it's, <laughs> it's there's there's like stuff going on there, and we've got you know a couple of friends around there, and yeah, so we go down and there's good surf there. So yes, yeah, I I love it. I'd like to I'd like to end up in Cornwall when I'm a bit older. Yes, I think it'd be such a cool place to go and retire to. Yeah, get a nice get a nice house on the beach. Oh, perfect. Exactly, mate. Exactly um obviously lockdown i mean i know you're a busy man but i'm not sure well you must have guessed from me i, I quite like my movies and my tv um, I oh, make, yeah. a lot, make a lot of references um what's your what's been your lockdown viewing what have you been watching hit me with some recommendations oh god um so i have this thing where i watch things only so it's background noise so i kind of split my time between scrolling and messaging and, and watching it so hmm what would be my go-to not i watched <laughs> um one of my favorite movies for just like a casual lockdown watch it's lion i really like a proper emotional uh, story you know that one of the yeah, indian boy that gets lost that's such amazing. a good movie proper yeah. tearjerker one that's gonna yeah. one's gonna play on your emotions a little bit something like lion um trying to think of some others um you know when someone asks you about movies and tv shows oh, mate, yeah. the only moment in your entire life that you can't name a single movie or tv show apart from <laughs> apart from lion but uh but lion has got to be oh, yeah yeah i Lion's think i've watched been... it like five times there's a there's a new one on uh netflix called the white tiger i've um, seen that the other day it was brilliant yeah that's yeah that's, yeah, that's very that's, very good that's what i've been recommending to people that's um that's really cool. confusing that's but very similar similar ish to lion um, yeah but but yeah no white the white tiger that's a that's a good one, um, right you you said you know you should, I should have let you know we could have had a beer together. Uh, what's your what's your favourite beer? Where what's your yeah? <laughs> so there's one they brew near me called yeah. Hop House, and it's so nice. Yeah, um, that's good. Oh, not Hop House. Um, God, that's bad. What's the one they brew near me? It's very it tastes very very similar to Hop House, but right. it's not Hop House. It's called Curious Brew. That's the one. Curious it's so Brew. nice. I've got a I've got a a distillery just up the road from me, and they've just started doing their own beer. And honestly, it's so good. It's yeah. like proper has a properly like hoppy flavour. It's so nice. So yeah. so nice. Curious Brew. Mm. Curious Brew. I think I've got some downstairs. Actually, I might have one tonight. <laughs> oh man, my man, that's what we like. That's what so we like. nice. Yeah, mate, love the love the local beers. Um, and then and then finally, this is a, a kind of new question that I'm doing. I'm, I'm kind of gauging how people what people think about it. Um, who who would you like to hear on the podcast? Who who should I um who should I chat to? You oh know? wow! Yeah, mm. it's uh, it's quite a, a couple of people found it quite difficult. So I'm, I was a bit like, should I be asking it? But then a couple of people were like, I really like that question. It's a really good idea. So I was yeah. like, well, I'll ask you because you've probably got some really some really good recommendations. But I'm sorry <laughs> if the mind's gone blank. 
Um, no, um, I, I heard Donald Trump has has a lot of free time, so I wonder if that... <laughs> Not in a million years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Um, there's a really amazing guy that I follow um, that I was actually nominated for the Pride of Britain Award with. He's called Rocky um, Troiani, and he's like, he's absolutely massive. I mean, he's like the size of a sofa, like in, in strength, and right. he pulls... He pulls lorries and trains. Um, he's incredibly strong and he does it all for charity. Absolutely incredible guy. Absolutely yeah. love him. He's got the heart of gold. Like he does it all for, for young people that are going through difficult things, raises money for them. And also, like I've got to say this because he's fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a bit terrifying, but he's he's honestly, it's amazing what he does. Yeah, nice. I've been wanting to get a, like a strong man on for quite a while. I'm so intrigued. Like I've had a couple of powerlifters on who compete and all that stuff. But um yeah, I've been wanting like you know the proper strong men who like yeah. like you said, like could can't you know have to train, train. get through a door, you know. Like it's crazy some of the stuff, some of the videos I've seen of him doing like pulling an actual freight train. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. That is and terrifying. No, no one, yeah, no one should be that strong, should they? No. no <laughs> or a plane or something. Absolutely yeah. mad. Exactly. Um uh, ben, just before we go, where where can um, where can everyone find you? Where can people follow you? Cool. On all the socials, I believe on all of the socials like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Oh God, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but TikTok. But um, my username is at I am Ben West. I'm on all of them there. Um, so yeah, please do yeah. give us a follow and support all the stuff I'm doing. If you do agree with what I've been talking about, because we need people's support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, make sure you sign uh, sign the petition as well. Um, and everything like that. But as I said, all, all of this will be put in the in the post anyway that, um, that I put up on my my socials. I don't have quite the following that you have, Ben, but we're working on it. We're working on it. That's more, it. It's a it's a it's a long term thing. Yeah, we're more into the we're more into the talking than the Instagram. Let's face it. Um, <laughs> I think I am as well. To be fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, guys, uh, thank you very much for listening. You can also follow me on at the After Hours Lounge on Instagram. Uh, please. If you do listen, if you do enjoy, please like, share, subscribe, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I am still mm. hunting for whoever left that one-star review, you fucker. Um, but it's all right. Everyone else left five-star, I think. But um, yeah, if, please like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. It hugely helps me with what I'm doing, and it only takes two seconds of your time, and it's also free. But if you would like to buy me a beer, you can also do that via the link in my bio on Instagram. Um, and you can donate to the podcast. As I said, talking this much is thirsty work. Mm. But yeah, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much to, to Ben for coming on. That's easily been one of my favorite conversations. Um, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. Uh, thank you. And we will see you for the next one. <laughs>